0: Hey everybody welcome to another episode of that early childhood nerd i'm heather burnt santi um i'm really excited you guys are going to love this one uh my guest in this episode is tamar jacobson hello
1: hello there
0: thank you so much for coming back um
1: thank you for having me
0: (laughs) what would you before we jump into conversation what would you like folks to know about you
1: i'm getting old
0: (laughs) We're all getting old tomorrow. That's daily. Oh, no! Oh, no!
1: I'm really getting old. I turned 74 last week, and oh, my goodness! Congratulations, it's profound. (laughs) You know, the ankle, and you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, But, uh, um, I'm still on the circuit, though. I'm still working. I'm retired from being a professor, but I'm still uh consulting and 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 professing. Next was just uh, recently in West Virginia and St. Louis, and I'd um, I was thinking of really retiring that too, but somehow I still feel I've got more to say, and yeah. I, I I I want to continue.
0: Oh well, that's
1: wonderful news.
0: <laughs> I mean, of course, if you want to rest um, and retire, that's great. But I um, I love so much of the work that you do that I'm grateful that you're Thank still. You but you're still doing it. (laughs) So we're going to, we're going to talk about one of the chapters from your book. Um, Everyone needs attention, helping young children thrive. And this came out maybe five ish years ago. Does that sound Um, to you? Yes.
1: 2018.
0: That's right um so i'll just do this for the people who are looking at the video version. yeah i
1: do love the cover
0: i do too yeah um so we're going to talk about self-regulation um and i i you know i can't remember i i must have posted something somewhere on social media about self-regulation recently and, and you commented um and, and we're part of that conversation and um you have a whole chapter on the topic in this book. So I'm going to go ahead and just read this. Um, it's a it's a little bit longer quote than usual, but it's from, uh, from your self-regulation chapter, um, and it gives us a good starting point for the direction that we've talked okay, about going you. with this. So you wrote, so where do I begin to talk about self-regulation? This is the latest buzzword for young children learning some kind of self-control when it comes to behavior and classroom management. The intent behind the expression is admirable. To succeed academically and emotionally, children need to learn how to live in society by understanding its norms and rules. We also want them to become contributing members of our society, our adult world. Somehow, however, teaching children to self-regulate becomes punitive as teachers and parents take on a behaviorist approach using punishments and rewards. Instead, self-regulation becomes about pleasing people and stifling emotions I will do anything just please don't ignore me what about empathy and compassion or making a stand for social justice how do we learn these characteristics and skills by pleasing people so there's a lot in there (laughs) you packed a lot into that paragraph but let's start with this idea of of um how it's become a, a buzzword and what are your thoughts about about that
1: yeah cuz because i think it is important and it is serious that yeah. that children learn how to adapt to to the adult i'm sorry about that <laughs> to the adult world um um so i'm i'm not um uh, dissing it and i really want that set up front mm-hmm. because uh, some, somehow it it could be misconstrued that i think that children should really be allowed to do whatever they want and right. uh, and that's not what i mean um I mean, it is kind of what I mean, but it's not what I mean. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I think it's serious. The only problem is is that so many of us have been taught to self-regulate by stifling feelings, by fear, um, and not with... Um, encouragement and understanding and empathy and compassion Mm -hmm. and so when we come to to working with children and helping them accommodate us actually Mm -hmm. because that's what we're making them do um, we seem to transfer all that stuff we've learned as children onto them and most of it is punishment actually Mm -hmm. setting them aside making them sit silently alone um, I call it, you know, isolation. It's um, it's what we do to prisoners too. We put them in um, isolation. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do that with children in classrooms where they have to sit aside and watch everybody else, as if they're bad human beings. Um, and so, um, I I do think it it's important, but I think that people are using punishment to um, to make it work.
0: Yeah, and, and they're not
1: aware of it, actually.
0: Right, right. It's not that any of us are waking up thinking, um, "I can't wait to punish kids today."
1: Right. <laughs> it's right of, sometimes you would think so. I mean, there may one. be
0: some, but but most of us working with young children, I would hope are not waking up with that thought. Right. But I, I think it's it's part of this sort of progression of euphemisms that we've developed to change the way we talk about behavior without really changing our expectations of children or um or our our actions like we we moved from punishment to discipline and then from discipline to guidance and then um uh somewhere in there we kind of started just using social emotional learning as a euphemism for um for compliance and self-regulation i think falls in that too yeah uh if I can just do the right things as an adult, you will always behave. And that somehow we think that's an appropriate goal (laughs) or an achievable goal. Um, And I think it, it takes us away from what, what children really need when you talk about, um, uh, helping them with their emotions and and the things you cover in this chapter
1: so I guess I'll just
0: stop rambling and let you talk about some something no the no, no no
1: that's <laughs> fine um you know because I was rereading the chapter I haven't read it in a while I've been talking about it on on when I go out to do professional development mm-hmm. um but I reread it and there are there are a couple of headings and um, the one that really struck me this morning when I was reading it uh I have to say um and I'm really not a a proud person like that. But gee, I loved this chapter. And I thought, gee, it's written really well. That's <laughs> <laughs> good for you, that's all right. And I was it's like the looking at good the fighter. cover, and thinking, who wrote this? Um, but th- there's a part about disruption that I write about. And uh and that's that word is used a lot. Yeah. Children are always disrupting us. And, you know, we have this agenda, we're going to talk about the weather today, you know, um, this amazingly uninteresting and terribly boring topic for children, where we'll sit them down for 20 minutes, and we'll slap up on the board, these stupid pieces of cotton to show clouds, and I don't know what, and children are like pinching each other by that that stage, because it's so boring. I mean, when we're at cocktail parties, we talk about the weather, because we don't know the people we're talking to. It's a boring topic, right? And then a child does something in that context and we say, he's disrupting us. Disrupting us from what exactly, you know? Right. And and what's wrong with disruption? Mm-hmm. I mean, our whole world is based on this, that things have to go like this, but we're, you know, one thing after another in a kind of routine way. But we're all human beings with unique needs and I don't know what. And life is messy and yeah. disruption actually is, is um, an opportunity for enhancement and enlarging your, your awareness and, and your thought process. And it's, it's actually really an important thing because, yeah. you know, when I'm presenting or whatever and, and somebody will take me off track, it, it's, it's a good thing because then I can go in a different direction and maybe learn something from them or whatever. Yeah. So this idea that children are disrupting us from this really important thing that we are doing. Yeah. Is very dangerous actually. It's, yeah, it's I
0: I I really appreciated in my reread of the chapter <laughs> last night the that analogy of you as a presenter um having your plan, having your outline, but um but being willing to uh sort of set it aside or take a break or or what when someone in your group that you're speaking to expresses a need for something different, which is essentially what's happening when um, you know, when an adult takes us in that context. I just presented a couple of workshops at our state conference. And at the end of one, I was like, oh, I was all over the place. And uh I didn't stick with my topic enough. And my friend who'd been in the session with me said, but that's what they needed, right? That's that's what's relevant to them in that moment. So that's what what they needed, and that made you more effective, hopefully. And I think that that can really translate into this um, thinking of, you know, circle time is an easy time to think about children being disruptors. And and we're worried so much about our agenda that we're putting a lot of weight on their shoulders to self-regulate. And in that context, the self-regulation isn't for the child. No. It's it's for us. And I think that's a powerful shift to make that explicit instead of just sort of feeling it. But to, to say it out loud, I think we need to say it out loud more often.
1: Well, you know, circle time actually and the research actually can back me up on this. Um most of the children are, are not learning very much in circle time, mm-hmm. maybe one-on-one in, in, in small groups, they'll be learning more mm-hmm. or when they're interacting in play and you're, and you're facilitating discussion while they're doing that, they'll be learning. But circle time is sort of a social time. Really. That's what it should, it should be. be. Right. What, what it's become is this like um, what I call teaching for the afterlife. Cause they're preparing children for, uh, real serious school where you've got to sit sit still and listen to the teacher drone on Mm -hmm. that's serious education right Mm -hmm. um and so they're preparing children to sit still in circle time and um and most of the topics are so boring i mean i watched a i watched a teacher in a kindergarten classroom actually when i was supervising student teachers and she was talking about carrots and um there wasn't a single carrot in the classroom, not a real carrot anywhere, not growing, not to eat, nothing. And there was going to be some assignment where they'd have to go back to their desk and there was a cutout carrot. Oh, boy. <laughs> and okay. they, had to, they had to color it in orange mm-hmm. um, and then cut it out and put it in their um, cubby. That was the thing. And this whole circle time was about that. Yeah. Um, and so this one... Poor kid was trying to put up his hand and tell them about the carrots that his mom was growing in his garden. And she never allowed him. In fact, she put him in timeout because he was oh my so gosh. disruptive, you see. Um boy. And who knows what the children were learning in that circle time, except how to go and do this ridiculous thing that they had right. to do afterwards. And also that this kid, there's something wrong with this kid. Yes.
0: That's the other thing that we learn that children learn when we're in. A situation where disruption or interruption is seen as misbehavior,
1: and sent off
0: somewhere. It sends a. I mean, it, it really creates a stigma, right? Because if, honestly, it's usually the same child,
1: right? Sure. Very uh, often,
0: and so we talk about a goal for for these things to be building classroom community, but we're building classroom community for some
1: exactly, and
0: excluding others pretty strategically.
1: And imagine if she had allowed him to talk. Then we could be discussing real carrots in a garden, mm-hmm. you know, and maybe we could bring those carrots in, and children could kind of share in the eating of them, or whatever, or plant them, or something. I mean, the whole thing, the disruption for that ridiculous structural task, which was meaningless to the children, really. Mm-hmm. Um, it 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 just it, disruption is a very bad word to use. I think it it make it, make, it makes us feel that what we're doing is so terribly important and what children need is not. Mm -hmm. It's just by the use of that word. That's what I was experiencing. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And if, if we, if we bring it back to like an adult in a presentation kind of, kind of analogy, if I'm in a, if I'm in an audience listening to a speaker, watching a presentation, whatever, the things I do to regulate myself and keep myself focused are wiggling i'm crossing and uncrossing my legs i'm i'm shifting myself around so i'm more comfortable so i can focus on on what's happening i you know i remember when i had hurt my knee and it was in a brace and i couldn't cross my legs sitting in meetings was torturous because i couldn't think about anything but how uncomfortable my body was and how dysregulated i felt by that and it's the same thing a lot of these disruptive behaviors we see are children attempting to regulate themselves? Right, exactly. By yeah. by bringing their bodies into something that's more comfortable to, to try and focus on whatever's in front of them.
1: Yes, because very often in the circle time situation of the disruption situation that, are, that yeah. we're talking about, children are forced to sit in a certain way. Mm-hmm. Whereas um, certainly young children, it's It's uncomfortable for a lot of them to sit in a certain way. Mm-hmm. I mean, I had circle time for years when I was a preschool kindergarten teacher and my my kids were allowed to lie on their stomachs or sit on sit you know cross-legged if they want or or anything. yeah um because their bodies have different needs. and like you said, it's you know you do have to wiggle a little bit sometimes to yeah. focus.
0: so 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 we've talked a lot about what self-regulation isn't so far what what would you offer then as um so what what does true self-regulation yeah, it, look
1: that's like a, and how do we support that? that that's a great question and of course i'll always bring it back to the people who are going to be teaching children right yeah. because that's my my focus yeah um it's really i can say what what works for me but it might not work for another person who's had a different Childhood, or a different life experience, or, or even a different um, teacher education experience. Mm-hmm. Um, so w- we have to tap into what's comfortable for us, for sure. And so that's a constant negotiation. We're not, we're not we're not always doing it in the classroom. We might have to go home and think about it and write about it or whatever, uh, or draw about it, whatever. Um, but. But the one thing that I can stress is to isolate children and leave them alone with it, whatever that it is, because they don't usually know why they've been left alone. Um, mm-hmm. and, I mean, I've interviewed children in timeout, and they haven't a clue why they're there. Half of them, um, most of them, actually, and sometimes they think they're there because somebody else hurt them. They don't uh-huh. know. They don't. They don't. They don't always get it because we say go there, and think about it. And we, what do we know what they're thinking about? Mm-hmm. I mean, we had a little four-year-old who was thinking about coming back. She said it to me. I'm going to come when I'm big with a machine gun and kill you all. Oh, no. So we no. don't want her thinking that, right? Yeah. Um, so <laughs> isolating children doesn't teach them self-regulation. It teaches yep. them fear and to stifle feelings. That's all it does. But we do have to take them out of certain situations where they're hurting themselves or other people. Um But we don't have to isolate them. We could be with them, right?
0: That element of co-regulation before they can be expected to fully self-regulate.
1: You know, because I I like the analogy of presenting too Uh in that. But but in that case, you know, we're all adults in the room and, um, you know, my focus with the adults in the room isn't actually to take care of them as, as such. But as a teacher, I'm responsible for the physical and emotional life of those little people in my care. And um, it's a different thing. Mm -hmm. So I really owe them to be there for them and help guide them through what they have to go through in learning how to be an adult, because they're not adults yet. That's the point. We all think they're adults already. They're not
0: yeah there's a section in the in the chapter about um, making children a priority yes and so that sounds like kind of what you're describing here
1: is yes you know um when i was rereading it too i realized um i'm on your sideness is really my thing about being with children i want to be on your side Mm -hmm. because um i mean i know it comes a lot from my childhood too that nobody took a stand for me right and so um I'm going to take a stand for children all over the place now, from now on, because then I redeem myself too, as I do that. But um, I think that's what we need to be doing for children is to say, you know, I'm here for you. I believe you and I trust you. Because otherwise, how else are you going to believe in yourself and trust yourself if I don't, right? Right. Um, Which doesn't mean I'm going to allow you to do whatever you want. But if you're feeling antsy and i don't know why i'm going to trust that you're feeling antsy right now and um i'm going to help you through that right now you know we've got to be doing this and that and this and what you're doing now is is not is not working out it's it's not helpful to other people it's not helpful to you so i'm going to put you next to me here and you can work next to me quietly and every now and again i'm going to stroke you and say i'm right here right Mm -hmm. doesn't always work because he may be jumping out of his skin by that point, right? Yeah, I used to carry children right up to age five on my back. Right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm a, I'm a carrier. <laughs> but a lot um, of people don't want to do that stuff. No, right? no. In fact, that's
0: how I blew my knee out when I was talking about my knee injury. Is I was holding a five year old while we were dancing. <laughs> and yes, it was too much. Yes, for exactly. my for my old old aging knees. Yes, uh, you know we
1: the. Co-regulation is a lovely way to put it. I yeah. can help you regulate yourself. I'll I'll show you the way. I'll show you. One of the examples I, I often give is like, you know, at cleanup time. teacher stand and point. It's clean up time. It's time to. But if you ha- if you have a child who's running around and doesn't want to clean up, he's very often put in timeout. So then he doesn't clean up. I mean, that's <laughs> not the point, right? Yeah. So I like to take children on my back literally. And I go and clean up with them, talking and saying, well, we've got to clean up now. I'm gonna put the bricks here, I'm gonna do that. And I'm talking all the time. Uh-huh. Child isn't happy to be on my back always. They want to be running around and, and doing whatever it is they're doing. Yeah. And they're they're in a way still cleaning up because they're with me in the process of it. Yeah. And I've heard a lot of people say, oh, you're rewarding them and you know, by giving them all that attention. But I've never found that. I've never found that other children are kind of please take me on your back while we clean up. Nobody's ever asked me to do that. Right. Um, or it,
0: the fear is that everyone will start running around instead of cleaning yes, up. And you've yes. only got one back, but I, that's a myth too, for, in my experience. I that have never you, experienced If you make it. a special allowance for one, everybody's going to want it. Yeah. It
1: doesn't, you know, it doesn't because each child is unique and have different, okay. have different needs. It's yeah. that same thought that all children are the same they all need the same rewards and punishments they Mm -hmm. all need the same everyone is different right I mean I know I knock rewards and punishments in that chapter a bit but um for some children it works you know it depends
0: (laughs) well I think that's an authentic like, like I think when you're talking about rewards and punishments at least when I'm thinking about that behaviorist approach I'm thinking about something that's been specifically manufactured to bribe or to punish? Yes, you know, not necessarily that. um Oh, I had a need and you met it. That's that's rewarding, surely, right? But not necessarily a behaviorist reward. Do you the, know what I mean? The other
1: myth is that you know children have wonderful time. You know, because they're children. You know, yeah, they don't have to work and they don't have. They're so lucky, but but you know, children are, are have no control over their lives right. at all. Right. people die and leave them people divorce and leave them people take them to different schools that they didn't want to go to or to different towns that they never asked to go for yeah. i mean the, the the whole world is built for for adults and not for children light switches are too high is too big i mean everything is for adults so children children are not as as happy-go-lucky as everybody thinks right. they have a hard life actually right. and yeah. um I think we need to take that into consideration when, when what you were describing, that children have disruptive behaviors. It's very often in their behavior, they're expressing some kind of anxiety, anger, mm-hmm. jealousy, you know, some kind of feeling that they don't know what it is, yeah. and they need help understanding that. Right. And that's what we are there for. Right. And that's why are we that, being paid so little? Exactly. That, um, that <laughs>
0: observing and noticing and, 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 and trying to meet the child where they are in the moment, um, is a far more evidence-based approach to this than any canned curriculum about emotional development. Oh, absolutely. To be evidence-based is going to be, we worry so much about fidelity to this evidence-based packaged curriculum about social and emotional learning and we ignore the opportunities to help them with their social and emotional development that are in front of us all the time.
1: You know, I do know that my um <laughs> my thrust is more um psychological and counseling. I mm-hmm. you know, perhaps I should have been a counselor. I think maybe now I'm a sort of counselor for teachers actually. Yeah. But um but I do think that our work does need that a bit that we need we need to be aware of children's emotions because Absolutely. they're so little and we're helping them develop. So we're not just helping them develop how to walk or to how to read or how to talk. Mm-hmm. We're also helping them develop their understanding of their emotions, mm-hmm. which is is kind of, it's really hard because most adults that I know have no clue what their emotions are or how to express them appropriately. Right. I mean
0: including And that's me. why we're so uncomfortable when children have the big big emotions yeah. and we think um the appropriate response is to stop it not necessarily to understand or help them understand.
1: Yeah, I mean we continue that well into our adulthood. If yeah. you know if we meet a friend who's who's just suffered a death we we sort of we have these banal com- comments. Well they're in a better place now. I mean what the person is suffering terribly you know yeah just to hold still and sit with the person and and validate their experience without talking all that rubbish you know Mm -hmm. and we talk that rubbish because we're uncomfortable and we don't know what to do with that so it's really important to help children understand their feelings I'm getting a little bit um passionate as I talk do I sound whiny
0: no I don't think so. No. I think you just sound like somebody with a big message and a and a big heart
1: for it. It it yeah, it really, a, it, it really is an important subject for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So
0: can we um uh one more thing I wanted to to talk about from from my reread. So in the the quote that I read at the beginning, you talked about um what about empathy and compassion or making a stand for social justice? And then you have a, you have a chapter or a section here that's intolerance for nonconformist behavior. Yes. Um, and, and I think those two connect, um, but I'd love to hear you talk about that a little bit.
1: Yeah. And that again is going to really feed into how we all grew up and what we learned. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, critical thinking and making a stand is not easy uh, for some people. And it's quite scary, actually, to stand up for someone else other than you, Um, because that's what social justice is very often. It's to to make a stand for those who can't make a stand for themselves kind of thing very often. Um, And uh, that requires courage and we can't learn courage if we're all the time being fit into some kind of box, mm-hmm. right? You know, we've all got to walk down the corridor, all the children in silence. I mean, I, I have never seen adults walk down any corridor in silence anywhere. Right. And yet children are forced into this kind of prisoner mode, mm-hmm. right? Um, actually, I was at a, at a school where they all had to walk with their finger on their mouths. It was so offensive. You know, I wanted. Wondered- <laughs> wanted to sort of break out and start screaming yeah (laughs) yeah you know it was all in the pretense of keeping the other classrooms safe from the noise of the children passing by close your door if you don't like the noise I mean Mm. you know it was there's some kind of weirdness with yeah Um, so I think if if we want people to be sort of responsible citizens who think critically and and speak out for others who are less fortunate than themselves, and um, we've got to allow them to be who they are, and that's not always going to fit into the box yeah. right, of that structured carrot, right? It's, but I mean, just sort of to tie it, tie it together, that
0: box is our idea of self-regulation, right? It's it all yes. back to um, the self-regulation conversation being about how children's i'll say dysregulation that may not be the word i want right here impact adult goals and adult agendas and adult comfort rather than it really being about trying to develop support the development of the children to to be adults eventually but what do they right now what do they need from us and right now what will support them and uh
1: yeah, yeah, because to fit in, their feelings. We, we want them to fit into the adult world mm-hmm. when they're not yet adults. Mm-hmm. So it's very complicated, actually. Um, and if we really want them to be responsible adults, it's important that they do know what their feelings are and how to express them, right? So I, 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 I'm, I'm so angry because my mother's brought home a baby and I thought I was the baby. And now this thing is here (laughs) and I hate it. Mm -hmm. I want to send it back. I'd like to to chop off its head. I've got all kinds of feelings about this. Mm -hmm. And every time I go, they say to me, but you're the big brother, honey. Uh, Mm -hmm. And I can't feel those feelings. So I have to stuff them down. And at another point, I'll take a gun and go shoot a whole bunch of people because I don't know how else to express my feelings. I mean, I'm being very dramatic. Right. Yeah. And. Uh, if we could just say to children, you know, you don't have to love this baby right now. I love this baby. I, I want us to have another baby in the family. Mm-hmm. I want you to have a brother. But right now, you don't have to love your brother. You can't hurt him. <laughs> right? You know, and one day I think you'll love him. But right mm-hmm. now, if you're feeling upset or sad about it, you tell me. Mm-hmm. You come and you pull on my shirt and you say, I don't like this. I don't like this. And then I can give you a hug and a kiss yeah and that that way we can learn what these complicated feelings are of jealousy of anger and then we can find a way to express them and be supported yeah that will make us fit into an adult world that that i'd like to live in frankly you know
0: so many adults get dysregulated by children's emotions that they cannot you know they have to figure that out for themselves and I know you've got a whole book about (laughs) the don't get so upset book but but it's I think it's worth adding to the conversation here that a dysregulated adult can't co-regulate with a child very effectively so we have to have that inner awareness and not just focus on what we want to stop but think about why is this
1: Yes, well, actually, me
0: up so much.
1: that book about that I wrote this, this this latest book about everyone needs attention yeah comes out of the don't get so upset book yeah because when I sort of started talking all over the place about that topic that um that we understand our feelings so that we can help us understand children uh-huh. um, everywhere I went people were saying but what about them needing attention like uh-huh. it was a bad thing. Right. So I said to Red Leaf Press, Can I just add a chapter about attention? And they said, Well, what about a book? <laughs> said, That's where the book came from. <laughs> yeah. so actually, you're tying it together with that. Don't get so upset, it's exactly right. Yeah. We can't, we every time we're we're faced with children's emotions, our emotions come into play. Yeah. And and what I th- my theory is that we filter strategies discipline strategies through our emotional memory of punishment Mm -hmm. so it's complicated because if I if I was shut down with my feelings when I was a child Mm -hmm. I'm more likely to shut children's feelings down because that's what worked for my growing up that's how I pleased the adults around me
0: yeah
1: I, I got good I got a good pat on the head and I became worthwhile right so I'm going to veer in that direction unless I start to reflect on why I learned that way or yeah. why I was taught that way and then maybe I can work it through because yeah. most people think that to co-regulate I love that expression I think that's what happened you had a podcast and, oh yes yeah it was co-regulation versus compliance that's yes the one. yes uh-huh. and I was so thrilled with that term co-regulation because uh-huh. that's what I meant Uh Uh, What I kind of mean, right? That we work together with this. We don't just throw the child aside and say, learn how to live here, all on your own. Yeah. Or else. (laughs) Yes. Or else. Yeah. We won't love you. The whole class won't love you. Mm -hmm. We won't talk to you or anything. Can you imagine? I mean, it's so exclusionary. It's too terrible. I don't know how anybody can learn anything from being excluded like that, Um, except that they're worthless. That, that's right. all they,
0: that, right. They learn something. Yes. But not maybe what we want them to be learning.
1: Yes. Lillian Katz always says children are learning all the time. It depends. What are they learning? Yes. But, yeah. Yeah. So um that's a terribly important part of how we work with children, especially with emotions, is that we have to be aware of our own emotions, negotiate that, um, find ways to deal with that. If it's to go to therapy ourselves, or to create a little support group where we can talk about it. I mean, where is there a place for teachers to sit and say, God, this kid, I don't know who he reminds me of, but he reminds me of an ex-boyfriend who used to drive me crazy. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's why I don't oh, like him, yeah. right? I mean, sometimes that helps. Or this little girl, you know, she, she's so needy and she's so quiet and, and she's so, oh, my gosh, she reminds me of me right that we don't have anywhere to grapple with this thing and it's such an important part of child development I think yeah yeah
0: I I think um that's that's why it's so complicated I think that's why it our our discussions around behavior and guidance and whatever you want to call it can be so tricky is because there's so much you know, you may not think, oh, I had a traumatic childhood, but, but maybe there were some of these elements of not being listened to or being expected to never show your emotions or being isolated and, and, and rejected when you did things that, that were wrong in the eyes of the adults around you. You may not have thought, thought of that as a traumatic childhood, but those things will impact you and that, that lens is there. And to question it, we have to question, all of our most important relationships right from growing up and it's it's a big it's a big thing that takes intention and commitment um from the adult
1: and the, and to do some work willingness to be uncomfortable yeah yeah because um uh, when i wrote uh everyone needs attention it was it was literally a few months after my mother had died mm-hmm. she was 99 she was a week short of 100 mm-hmm. and um and we were we were good at the end she and i yeah but i was still longing for her recognition of me right till the end and it never came mm-hmm. in the way that i would have needed um so it was quite painful to write the book but sure it was, it was very good also at the, by the same uh-huh. by the same token um and uh, I don't know why I was saying that, but what did you just said? See, this is 74.
0: I don't remember either. <laughs> this is 52, I guess. <laughs> I'm not I'm not sure. I was talking about how hard it is and how adults have to be willing to.
1: Right, you know, right. That right. Word, um, and I started, that's what it was. And I started to actually realize, I know it was late in life, but I started to realize viscerally with my body. Mm-hmm the 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 trauma that I had gone through and it, it it when you know when I said before that children don't have it easy that they have it quite hard because they have no control over their lives yeah. I kind of feel that just about every everybody's has had some kind of a traumatic childhood it's not not big trauma right but in many ways things have affected them right and right. I think we owe it to the children that we're working with and the families to work on ourselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because we're not just dealing with um cabbages, right? Or or bank accounts. We're we're dealing with um human beings. Yeah. And so we owe it to them to know who we are or why we got there so that we don't because very very often we'll do things with children unconsciously hurting them we don't mean it right it's just that we were hurt and we keep on hurting yeah instead of stopping it stop the cycle you know just stop it yeah it's it's a lot (laughs) i know (laughs)
0: so uh so people need to read both don't get so upset (laughs) and everyone needs attention as soon as they can well at Um, least
1: at least the chapter on self-regulation yeah
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) um they're both such such good books um thank you and uh you know i i use sections of everyone needs attention in my teaching now at the at the college where i am so i'm just grateful for it thank you and for this conversation
1: yeah i'm grateful that you wanted to talk about it because i i was so excited to see what you had done in that other podcast
0: oh yeah you have a standing invitation anytime you've got (laughs) something you want to talk through talk about share you you let me know and
1: well now actually it's worth it because you're the you're the best podcast right
0: yeah as of yesterday on one website yeah
1: What what is the website it's wonderful
0: um I you know I can't remember yeah um yeah it, it will be not interesting for people to listen to me try to remember that but I can't remember <laughs> um, the list was like 50 early childhood podcasts 50 best early childhood podcasts you need to listen to Wow, twenty three was the name of the list. If people need to find it, Perfect. lots of
1: shows on there. Chris Peterson's
0: Perfect. show is on there, and a couple of Jeff Johnson's shows are on there on that list. So great, great.
1: Yeah, yeah. 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 no. I, I, if I talk to you, it's not because you're the best, but it's <laughs> but it's because you understand what I'm talking about.
0: Yeah. Oh, I just really, um, I just really appreciate it. Thank you. I think uh, I need to probably need to wrap it up, and just sort of turning into a love
1: fest now. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. I understand. (laughs) Uh,
0: But thank you again so much. I know listeners will really love this. um,
1: this You're welcome, Heather. And good luck with whatever.
0: Oh, thank you so much. (laughs) Thanks, everybody, for listening to
1: another episode of That Early Childhood Nerd. Bye-bye. Bye.
0: And that's the show. Now go get your nerd on